Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Now, nonstop sports talk continues with news and analysis from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. Not the hero. We deserve to be the hero. We need it. This is the Big Six. It's going to be you. With your host, Jason Martin. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining me. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. As I always say, I'm blessed beyond measure. I hope you recognize that you are as well. We are into a new week, and there's a new number one in college basketball, and we're going to talk about that. And we are going to talk about Colin Kaepernick tonight, and we're going to do it in a different way because there's no reason to get down into the political mumbo-jumbo of anything that's going on here. Simply want to look at the story itself the facts and kind of separate some of this fiction and some of this speculation that came out on both sides on Friday and just try to get to the end of this because we do seem like we're finally nearing the end of this story. But we do have to start, well, start in Lexington. They'll play in Knoxville on March the 2nd. But Kentucky just totally blew Tennessee off the floor. It was kind of stunning. It was as close as it was at the half, considering how Kentucky shot the ball and how physical they were defensively. But they were just flat out the better team that night. And you know what? They might still be the better team on March the 2nd. We don't know. That was one loss. Tennessee, number one for four consecutive polls, falls to number five due to the loss. Duke back up to number one. They got 58 of 64 first place votes. And then you've got Gonzaga at two, which is certainly intriguing. Tennessee has beaten them this year. Virginia at three. And Kentucky leaps Tennessee as well. They are now fourth after the win over the Vols on Saturday. So I'm sitting here thinking about this. And one of the things that I tweeted out at J-Mart Zone on Saturday night, one of the only things actually that I tweeted out during that game was that the national media was going to love this. And I've spent a couple of segments on this show over the past few weeks sort of lamenting the idea that the national media wasn't taking Tennessee seriously and that they were waiting to just salivate and chomp. They were chomping at the bit for Tennessee to lose so they could say, yep, we told you, it's Tennessee, they're not very good. And that's exactly what happened. And it didn't even take till the final buzzer to get there. Pat Forty tweeting out, it's almost as if Tennessee hasn't played anybody since December the 9th. That was one of a number of tweets that came out that night that were basically just suggesting the Vols aren't that good. Well, they weren't that good Saturday night. They got flat-out beat. They got out-hustled. They got out-physical. They got out-shot. Rick Barnes was out-coached. It was just a tough night. But I started to think about this Vols team that we like watching so much and that has provided so much joy for fans down in Knoxville and fans of Tennessee that live anywhere. And with all of the talk of the veterans on this team and 
how good these various players are and how well they play together and all sorts of just topics such as that. There's one thing that gets forgotten just a little bit in that discussion, and that is that what that generally means is the talent has had to sort of grow into itself. I'm looking at Chad Ford's mock draft right now and his rankings for the NBA draft upcoming this summer. Three of the top four are Duke players. Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. One, two, and four. With Ja Moran of Murray State, the talented sophomore point guard, at three. Duke has three of the top four guys expected to come off the board in the NBA draft right now. And then you start to look, well, where's Kentucky at? Well, Keldon Johnson, 12. P.J. Washington, who was a terror, especially in the first half of this game on Saturday night, 17. And I'm still looking for the first Tennessee player, and there he is. Grant Williams, the junior, 23rd. Kentucky then has two more within the top 40 picks, including Tyler Hero at 32 and Ashton Higgins at 38. And I'm looking to see if anybody else from Tennessee pops up on the screen. And the answer to that question is no. Nope, sorry. Admiral Schofield. I was waiting to see. I was wondering where he was. He's at 35. So there's two players. Schofield at 35, Grant Williams at 23. This team was ranked number one in the country, folks, with veteran leaders. But veteran leaders in college basketball, what does that mean? It means you don't have one-and-done players. It means that you don't have those recruits like Kentucky, like Duke. And this is what Kentucky does. Kentucky takes time to find itself, and then all of a sudden, no one wants to see them when it comes to March. And usually what does the Wildcats in is just the fact that they're still in the process of gelling in the tournament. And if one game goes awry, you're done in college basketball. And if you go back to the team that had John Wall and Boogie Cousins and was just absolutely loaded that lost, that team was a poor shooting team. In many respects, it's similar to this Duke team that does not shoot the basketball well at all, but the force that is Zion Williamson might be able to carry you. And Cam Reddish has gotten hot at times, and R.J. Barrett, when he's not a black hole, when he gets the basketball, he can also be truly special. But Tennessee doesn't have a bunch of guys that are going pro that are going to be high-level players. Grant Williams could be an extremely solid NBA player, but he's not going to have a ton of hype behind him. Admiral Schofield could end up being a really nice role player in the NBA, but nobody's going to mistake him for a lottery pick. Kentucky's used to having guys like this. Coming into the season, they were regarded as one of the two most talented teams in the country when it came to just pure ability on the floor. And now you're starting to see that talent win out. And when they got physical and the officials kind of let them play a little bit, at least let Kentucky play a little bit, Tennessee didn't know how to answer. Jay Billis was talking about how this team would not panic because of the leadership on it. And I don't think that they necessarily panicked. They just simply played badly. They got open shots in the first half and they missed open shots. Kentucky could not miss and somehow kept getting open for three-pointers and got extra shots off the glass. The foul discrepancy, there's not really an argument to make. Kentucky was just better. It was a 17-point game that felt like it was 30. 
that game was over after that quick start to the second half by the Wildcats. So now the national media has what it wants. What you can't do, in this case if you're Tennessee, is feed the narrative that they want. Because the media, once they have made a decision, all they need is the slightest morsel to turn that into a full-blown, full-course meal. And that's what they did. Kentucky beat Tennessee, beat them soundly, beat them in prime time, beat them on ESPN, beat them with the A-level announcers. You're not going to hear, yeah, it's really tough to play at Rupp. There's a whole lot of talent on that Kentucky team, and Tennessee just had an off night. You're not going to hear any of that. Nobody's going to make excuses for Tennessee in the national media. Tennessee, and I said this when I talked about this last week and asked why no one was giving this team really any credit. Look, you've got to go out there and just strangle attention by the throat if you're a Tennessee basketball club in 2019. You don't have the blue blood name behind you. Tennessee's wonderful university. It's known for football, and then it's known for women's basketball. Maybe not this season, but usually it's known for those two things historically. What Rick Barnes has done, the team that he's been able to build, the quality of athlete and the quality of young man that he has on that roster is very impressive. But most national columnists, even the ones that are featured on television on a daily basis, don't really know a whole lot about Tennessee and aren't really interested to know it because they just assume Tennessee's going to go out in the round of 32 or in the round of 16 and will just continue to move along. If Tennessee ends up with a number one seed, which I have no idea, if they go beat Kentucky and win the SEC championship, probably so. But let's let's go ahead and suggest right now that Tennessee gets a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. You can better believe that they will be the one picked by most experts to be upset first in the tournament. There will probably be someone of note that suggests they might get beat in the first round. It won't be the case. But it will be out there. Tennessee, because of the name on the front of the jersey, not the talent in terms of the surnames on the back of the jersey, but just the fact that it says Tennessee and you're wearing a basketball uniform, that's just not going to be enough for most. That doesn't mean there's not a Seth Greenberg out there or a John Rothstein or someone that really pays close attention to college basketball that understands how good Tennessee is. But when you go and you get beaten by Kentucky the way that you got beaten by Kentucky, there's not much you can do except show up tomorrow night and beat the brakes off of your in-state rival and then continue to win basketball games. You get your shot on your floor at Thompson Bowling Arena right at the start of next month, and you've got to show up that night. And that means you, and that means all the fans wearing the orange and wearing those power tees. That's going to be quite an atmosphere, but Tennessee needs a good night. Because it could be, it very well could be a third matchup coming up in Nashville in the SEC championship game. We don't know for sure right now. And maybe one or both of those teams don't make it there. But on paper, it looks like it's a decent enough bet to think that those two teams are going to get there for a third time. If Kentucky sweeps Tennessee three times, the momentum going into the tournament is not going to be good. Right now... I don't know that it's terrible that Tennessee finally lost a game in this manner because now the attention's going to be completely off them. As if it wasn't already, nobody's going to pay attention to this basketball team right now. So they can just go out there and play free and win and do what they've done and rally. Jordan Bohm with some really mature comments after the loss. These guys just didn't play well that night. 
And I know they'll be the first ones to tell you they didn't play well that night. Alexander struggled, and guys were just getting beat around. I mean, Schofield was being out physical, which seems like an impossibility, but it wasn't. Grant Williams is getting beaten around. It's not a particularly big team, and Kentucky took full advantage of their physical nature. And I think that they tested the refs early to see what they could do. And even if they were going to get a couple of foul calls, maybe that was going to be worth it to just kind of bully Tennessee around. And that's what happened. But the Vols will get another shot. It doesn't matter that they're number five in the country right now. They're still a top five basketball team. Duke has three of the top four players expected to come out in the NBA draft. Three of the top four. They probably should be number one. They were going to be the overall number one seed according to the tournament seeds if the tournament were to have started last week. Okay, they're still going to have to win the same number of games as Tennessee or Michigan or North Carolina or Virginia or Kentucky or Gonzaga or anybody else that's in the NCAA tournament. And March is, well, we know what it is. It's madness. So Tennessee fans, I can't imagine, would be that down This shouldn't have really even been a reality check. You knew you were going to lose some games. It was very probable you were going to split with Kentucky. Best case scenario. You might lose both and you could still win the national title. You might lose to them three times and you might still win the national championship. It doesn't matter that much. It matters to Kentucky fan, but Tennessee fans that lost a basketball game, look, Kentucky had already lost four to year one by the time you guys matched up. So you just get up. You knock the dust off. You knock the dirt off. You say, okay, I got knocked in the ground, but everything's going to be okay. There's more basketball to be played, a lot more basketball to be played. And the national media is not going to pay attention to you, so you just get back down to business. And I think that's something this team can do. Up next, Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed with an undisclosed settlement with the NFL news that came out on Friday afternoon. What it means and what it doesn't mean speculation on both sides, agenda-driven. I just want to tell you what actually happened and why it happened. And that's what I will do next. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Welcome back here on a Monday. It's about to start raining again. It's gonna, it looks like it's going to be tomorrow. There's a flash flood watch. For Davidson and Williamson counties, it's going to run through Thursday morning at 6 a.m. We are about to get deluged with rain. And I say about to as if we have not already gotten our share of the wet stuff. But it's coming, folks. Hopefully it's going to be good for the foliage because it's not going to be good for the driving conditions. It would be good for the nap time, though. Always good. Rain pattering off the windows. Perfect recipe for a nap. This is a big six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. You can follow me there. I am in, by the way, all week long on Fox Sports Radio for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage as he's with his family in Mexico. You can hear the first hour of that program live from 5 to 6 right here on The Zone. I'm in with Jeff Schwartz the next two days, and then Jonas Knox will join me on Thursday and Friday. Having a lot of fun doing that show. Always blessed to even have the opportunity to continue to grace that show and sit behind that microphone for Fox Sports Radio. Blessings of my life are just outrageous right now, and I'm so thankful and and so grateful for everything that has come my way, and all glory to God for that. So I said I wanted to talk about Colin Kaepernick, and I want to, but I'm not talking politics, 
and I'm not getting into the various issues that Colin Kaepernick was kneeling for or all of those things. I just want to talk about the settlement in general because so much misinformation was revealed on Friday, or not really revealed, but it was just as soon as this came out, everybody jumped to a conclusion that fit whatever their narrative was. And that's on both sides. Who won? Did Kaepernick win? Well, the Atlantic said he did. The Undefeated said he did. Uh, Various other publications that would be in line with him said that he did. Yahoo Sports, a bunch of folks, as a matter of fact, came out and said, look, Colin Kaepernick won this thing. And then there were very select views that said the NFL won this thing. And Jeff Schwartz, who was on with me this morning on Outkick the Coverage, said everyone hates the NFL and wants them to lose so badly that it didn't matter what the facts were in this situation. So it shouldn't have been too surprising that some organization came out and said that the settlement reportedly could have been 60 to $80 million for Colin Kaepernick and Eric Reed in this collusion lawsuit. Now, let's keep in mind that Eric Reed just signed a three-year, $22 million extension with the Panthers, and the reason he signed that extension is because that dude can still play football and proved it when he wasn't making... Look, he probably should have gotten paid more when he came in this past year, but he went out there and he played football. May have been randomly or not randomly drug tested. That story was a little bit strange, but he played good football, and now he's going to be in the league. Colin Kaepernick's still not in the league. One thing I would I do want to say, because I think that this is a bad argument to make, is that the fact that Colin Kaepernick turned down $20 million from the Alliance of American Football means he does not want to play football. That is just a bad argument. Tim Tebow also turned down the Alliance of American Football because he wanted to continue to play baseball and just because... He probably thinks he's a little bit better than the AAF. And I'm here to tell you, Colin Kaepernick thinks he's better than the AAF. And I'm here to tell you this, Colin Kaepernick is better than the AAF. I don't know if he is now. He hasn't played in the league in three years. He hasn't played competitive football in three years. That's a long time. In his last 20 games, he was 2 of 18, or 2 and 18, rather. But he put out $20 million because he knew that it wasn't going to be taken. It wasn't even a Hail Mary to try and get paid. It was simply basically saying, I don't want to play in your league. If you want to pay me a small fortune to play in your league, I'll play in your league, but I don't need the AAF. And he's right. He doesn't. He is better than the AAF. Even though I always believed that Kaepernick not being on a roster was just as much about him not being that great as a quarterback as it was about anything else, He was better than some of the guys that started games in the NFL last year. I would say unquestionably so. And you look at the guys in the AAF like Brandon Whedon and and career backups in the NFL. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Colin Kaepernick made a Super Bowl. He was an NFC Championship game MVP, if I'm not mistaken. He had already proven enough on his resume to not want to go to the AAF. And I get that. So that's a bad argument. Don't say that just because he didn't want to play minor league football, he doesn't want to play football. He thinks he's an NFL player still. That is that is a better argument to make. If you can find something around the NFL that he doesn't want to do. And there were stories about the Broncos and, of course, what he said about the Ravens and what his girlfriend said on New York Radio about the Ravens ensured that he wasn't going to be there. He doesn't want to be a backup. He thinks he's a starter. I think he's probably wrong at this point. I'm not saying he wants to play football. I'm saying the AAF argument is bad. But the settlement is not 60 to $80 million. Even Mike Florio, of all people, 
Mike Florio, who has defended Kaepernick on every possible ground, put out an article today at Pro Football Talk this morning that was just stunningly objective, that just laid out the facts and said, okay, the settlement may be not as big as people thought. Insiders within the NFL believe that the settlement covered the NFL's costs and not a whole lot more. The NFL's costs were seven figures, not eight. Certainly not 60 to $80 million. Kaepernick, right now, I don't know if he wants to play football or not. My guess is he does not want to play football anymore. Because, let me see if I can say this in a very common sense way. There's the old quote about keeping your mouth shut, being better than opening it and revealing yourself to be a fool. Some attribute it to Lincoln, some attribute it to Mark Twain. In an indirect comparison, I have said, and I think there are a lot of you out there that think the same thing, that Colin Kaepernick probably can't play in the NFL anymore at a high level, especially being away from the game for three years. I think that there is a large part of Colin Kaepernick that knows he probably can't play at a high level in the NFL anymore. He might still be in great shape, and he has kept himself in shape. And maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. I'm just, I'm just, all I can do is base it on my own opinion here. But if I am Colin Kaepernick, I would much rather have people defend me every time a quarterback job opens up and not prove to those people and to anybody else that I'm not really that good anymore. I would much rather that happen than actually go on the field and reveal that. You know what I'm saying? Like, think about that for just a second. It's very, it's much easier to play the role Colin Kaepernick is playing off the field when it looks like he's a star that's being mistreated as opposed to somebody that's not all that great at the game anymore. Those that defend him inside the sports media, the football experts that say this guy could help a team to the playoffs and things like that. Those are columns that if I'm Colin Kaepernick, I want those things to continue to be written. And I don't have to play football in order for that to happen. In fact, it's going to happen much easier if I don't play football. And maybe, like I said, maybe he would come back and he would be spectacular. I'm not suggesting for sure. I'm just saying that I'm not as sure that Colin Kaepernick believes that he can play at a high level anymore in the league. But why does the NFL want to settle here? They want to settle. And both these parties came into this lawsuit knowing that this was not going to reach an arbitrator. This was not getting to mediation. They were going to come to some kind of an arrangement. It was mutually beneficial to both sides. Colin Kaepernick still likes money. I expect he's going to donate a large part of it, which would be a smart play on his part. And look, he has donated and done some very good things with the money that he has had access to over the past handful of years. But if I'm the NFL... The big problem for me is the discovery process, which means they were going to go through all these text messages and all these emails and all of these phone records, not just Kaepernick related, but during a certain time frame from this time to this time. Think about your own life. Would you want that to happen to you individually? Just to go through all of it, looking with a fine tooth comb for whatever what else might be revealed? What don't you know about that's happening if you're a company owner, for example? And then think about the NFL. 
those within the league probably have no idea some of the communications that have taken place. But if there's one or two things in there that look bad, that could be an absolute catastrophe for the NFL. So whatever money you have to pay, even if it was $60 million, that's nothing when you look at how much money the league actually receives, the revenue they pull in, even franchises, and all the money that each one are worth. The NFL has a real interest in making sure that as much of their privacy is maintained as possible. I made this analogy on the show, I guess it was last week. I'll just reiterate this story here to you in case you happen to miss that show. I was talking about the mortgage crisis, and I was talking about Goldman Sachs and one of the executives having to testify before Congress. And Carl Levin was part of the oversight committee that was looking into things and speaking to all of these various traders and mainly the executives in these companies. And there were a lot of them that said very dumb, foolish things. But there was also one very illuminating moment, and it was Carl Levin asking a question about a certain set of communications surrounding a derivative, a CDO, that was just deemed to be total crap, that this entire tranche of investment opportunities was garbage. And the word that was used was crap, and then there were some other words that I'm not going to use on terrestrial radio right now. And so he looks this guy in the eye and he says, how do you feel knowing that you and your colleagues were basically bilking the American public, not being forthright in your dealings, and that you were basically selling everything that you could, especially the stuff that you deemed crap. And this guy, before he was able to stop himself, in a moment of truth, said stunningly, I feel like it is very unfortunate to have that on email. And then he realized what he said, and he tried to take it back and say, I think it's very unfortunate to have said that. But it had already been revealed. Take what I just said, the idea of I think it's very unfortunate to have that on email, and apply that to an NFL and who knows how many different communications between how many different people. And then if you're Roger Goodell or if you're a higher up in the NFL offices, what you don't know can hurt you. What if there's a racial comment in there? What if there's some kind of a sexist comment in there? What if there's harassment in there? What if there's some kind of, I don't know, extortion or who knows what might be in there? And maybe just secretive stuff that you don't need the public to know about. Who knows? The point is, you don't want it to go to discovery because once it does, a lot of things have a chance to come out that wouldn't otherwise be able to come out. So if you're the NFL and you are worth the money that you're worth, and you're as important to the American entertainment landscape, and you're such a behemoth, so many television networks depending on you, you have that level of power. If you have that level of power, you're going to be even more closed-lipped. I mean, it took Roger Goodell, what, two weeks to comment on the NFC Championship game? I thought it was ludicrous that people were asking him to, but they didn't feel like they had to, because they didn't, because they're the NFL. Whether or not you hate Roger Goodell or not, Roger Goodell's still there. And the NFL's still doing bang-up ratings. Football's so popular in the country that people are watching minor league football. I say people, not including me, because I've yet to watch a down of the AAF. So there was a benefit 
to the NFL settling with Colin Kaepernick. And there was a benefit to Colin Kaepernick for settling with the NFL. We may not know, or it may leak as to how much money it was. But when you hear people saying 60 to $80 million and Colin Kaepernick won, that's false. This is probably a draw. The truth almost always lies somewhere in the middle. It does not prove collusion that they settled. It proves that they did not want it to go to arbitration. I don't know how many cases actually make it to trial or make it to the final step, but both parties walked into this knowing, all right, we'll see how long this goes before we have to sit down and actually cash a check in the case of, or write a check in the case of the NFL, cash a check in the case of the aggrieved parties or the perceived aggrieved parties. That's what happened here. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking about any part of Colin Kaepernick's stance. I'm just saying he might have been blackballed. It's very possible. Do I think it was an organized, concerted effort? I don't. I never have. But the NFL had a vested interest in making sure that as much of their stuff stayed under wraps as possible. And you can't blame them as a company for doing that. And I don't blame Colin Kaepernick for trying to make money either. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Thanks for being here. We continue here. Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. I appreciate any attention that you offer me as part of your day. I don't take it for granted at all. I try not to waste your time on this show. We talked to, we talked to, look, it was a heavy topic, but again, not really addressing the issues, just addressing what happened on Friday and what the truth is behind the fiction that's being spun on all sides. Because make no mistake, there are agendas far and wide around stories and I would rather just try to tell you what happened as opposed to trying to sway you in one direction or another. I feel like it was probably a draw when it comes down to it between Kaepernick and the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, Adam Silver talked about the NFL during his annual State of the League address that he puts out when he does a big press conference during All-Star Weekend every year, which of course took place this Saturday, this past Saturday in Charlotte. And he said something really interesting. And he said a couple of things. He said he wishes trade situations and requests were being handled in private. That, of course, after the Anthony Davis thing. And I'm on, I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you, I can understand why he would say that. But I also think he probably likes that some of this stuff is getting out there because, boy, did it make the NBA really exciting and put it on the front page of every sports section, even during the week of the Super Bowl with Kristaps Porzingis and Kevin Durant and certainly Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard, and Kyrie Irving saying he doesn't owe nobody bleep, and all of this stuff. I have said repeatedly over the past few weeks that the NBA is so much more exciting off the court than it is on it, because on it, it seems predetermined, because the Golden State Warriors are going to win another NBA championship, and that's even if Boogie Cousins wasn't there. Honestly, it's even if Boogie Cousins and Draymond Green weren't there. As long as you've got KD, Steph, and Klay Thompson, you're good. Maybe even just Stephen Clay Thompson with Draymond Green. And we'll see how that plays out if Kevin Durant indeed goes to New York next year. But what I just said about the Warriors winning another championship has led many to basically check out on the NBA on the floor because it seems like Golden State's going to win again. And all we're watching during the regular season is teams vying for the chance to lose to Golden State later rather than earlier. Meaning we'll see them in the finals or in the conference finals then we'll see them in the first round because if we see them in the first round we're going to Cancun earlier 
if we see them in the NBA Finals, we might have to back our vacation plans up a month. So there's a parody question about the NBA with the dynasty that the Warriors are building. And Adam Silver says this, and I'm just going to quote some of the things that he said from this article. He said, I don't think success necessarily means that a different team wins the championship every year. I mean, I look at the NFL, which among sports leagues probably has the best parity and the best system in terms of creating competition than any league I'm familiar with, yet the New England Patriots have been in the Super Bowl nine out of the last 18 years. And I don't think anyone points to that as a sign that the system isn't necessarily working. I think what people recognize is you want parity of opportunity, but you don't want to artificially create competition that somehow takes away incentives for teams to be great. And so he says he's pleased with the state of the league at this point. And he talks about how the media and many people that cover the league have written about parity issues that remain in the league. And... He points to certain teams and he says that there are rebuilds and there are uncompetitive teams out there. And then he actually admits, he says, quote, maybe either by choice because they think they're better off rebuilding and seeking high draft picks or they feel that they can't afford based on other teams being high into the tax to to, uh, compete on a level playing field that they basically are intentionally uncompetitive. So he does it now. He basically says, yeah, this is something that's happening, which... Good for him being candid because we all know this. But then he points out something interesting. He says that in the last 11 years, seven different teams have won the NBA championship. And he's right. The first 60 years of the the NBA, the Lakers, Celtics, and Bulls won 60% of the championships. Patriots have won six of the last 18 Super Bowls. More than half of the 32 NFL teams have played in the Super Bowl since the Pats dynasty began in that win over the Rams in 2001. In the NBA, 13 of 15 Eastern Conference teams have reached the conference finals at least once in that span. The Western Conference, 13 teams have made the conference finals in that span. Eight franchises have won an NBA title since 2000, compared to just seven in 20 years before the new millennium. And ironically enough, those two Western Conference teams that made the conference finals that was a stat that was always out there that the two teams that had not made the conference finals were the Clippers and the Hornets, both of Chris Paul's teams. Talking about how Chris Paul is not going to get you anywhere, mainly because he's going to be hurt most of the time. But, of course, we saw Houston last year. He was able to make it there because that team was loaded, even though they still weren't able to get the job done in Game 7 against Golden State. So the question I would have is, is parity what you're looking for in the NBA? It's Golden State and it's everybody else, right? I mean, you can look at it and you think about Anthony Davis. Where is he going to go where he's going to win a championship this year? Probably nowhere. There's nowhere he would go where I would immediately think they win. If he went to L.A., do I think they beat Golden State? Not really. I think Anthony Davis is a really good player. I think Anthony Davis and LeBron James together is pretty scary. What you'd have had to give up to get Anthony Davis and what they tried to give up, I don't know what they would have had on the floor outside of those guys. And I still don't know if they would have been able to score with Golden State. Is Houston going to beat Golden State? Don't think so. All these other teams, the trendy teams, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Blazers, whoever it is that you like. I mentioned the Jazz. They haven't been as good as advertised, but certainly the Nuggets are having a good year. Nobody's picking the Nuggets. The Sixers went and get Tobias Harris. That might get them to the NBA Finals. They're not going to beat the Warriors, even though that's a great roster. Toronto's a really good team. They're not going to beat the Warriors. Boston's not going to beat the Warriors. 
nobody's going to beat the Warriors. So those teams that I just mentioned, that handful of teams, them being competitive and maybe making it interesting, is that enough for you? Or have you checked out on the NBA? And do you disagree with what Adam Silver is saying? It is intriguing. I don't think that we all maybe stopped and thought that in 11 years we've had seven different NBA champions because we think, oh, Golden State's just won them all. Well, they really haven't. They have won their share. No question about that. The Cavs getting in the way that one year, certainly. But you've had Dallas and you've had Miami. There have been some other franchises out there doing some work and doing good work. Spurs. So is there a real parity problem in the NBA, or is it a perception of a lack of parity that keeps you from watching? I have talked on this show about how dynasties are not bad for sports, and the Warriors being this giant Goliath makes it interesting just to see if somebody can knock them off. Problem is, when nobody's got a slingshot, you can't create a David. And the problem I have is, I don't see any Davids right now. I only see that Goliath that is not going to be toppled. That, to me, remains a problem for the NBA. That's why we've talked so much about Anthony Davis and where Kevin Durant's going to end up and free agency and money and Rich Paul and clutch sports and all of these things. Collusion with Magic Johnson tampering and all of that stuff. We're talking about it because talking about the games kind of stinks. So I, I don't know. What Adam Silver is trying to say, I understand his point. I don't know if I can get to the degree that I agree with it. What do you think? You can tweet me at jmartzone. we got one more segment still to go. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Looking for someone to help with a big... Final segment of the program this evening. The Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Tennessee Vanderbilt tomorrow night, so I won't be with you. I will be back with you on Wednesday here on 104.5 The Zone, but you can hear me tomorrow morning from 5 to 6 before the wake-up zone as I'm in for Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio on Outkick the Coverage. It's me and Jeff Schwartz. We've got Chris Mannix joining the program tomorrow. That ought to be fun. Also going to be fun. Saturday, March the 30th. Go ahead and put it on your calendars. 9 to 4 Nissan Stadium, the 10th Annual Sports Fest. Everything that we do, we, we build up to this one event where we celebrate sports with you. And we celebrate Nashville sports with you and this community that we've been able to build between us here in the building and you guys as the listening audience. It's a great interactive family experience coming up at Nissan Stadium. Music City Blitz this year is going to be a lot of fun. Five-on-five flag football tournament benefiting Special Olympics Tennessee. To register your team, go to musiccityblitz.com. The Sports Fest Speaker Series is going to be back. We've got announcements coming. It's going to be just a very exciting time. All of the teams around Middle Tennessee are going to be represented. Vendor booths, concessions will be there, so you'll be able to eat while you're there as well. And inflatables and fun interactives for kids in the Wilson Bank and Trust Kids Zone. I continue to say it this way. It's going to tire your kids out. They're going to have a good day, and then you're going to have a better evening once they get tired, once you get to the house. And tickets this year for the first time ever, totally free. All the info is at 1045thezone.com. Just a few of the wonderful people associated with Sports Fest this year. Top Golf, Southern Jerky Company, and Crossroads Chiropractic. And the list continues to grow there. So it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I can't wait to see all of you guys out there at Nissan Stadium at the end of March. That's March the 30th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. 
come on out and celebrate sports with us and let us celebrate you for making it possible for us to do the kinds of things that we are able to do. This past weekend was the celebration for the NBA of itself, the All-Star Weekend. Saturday night, the skills challenges, the three-point shootout, Joe Harris bests Steph Curry, 26 points in the final round, beats Steph's 24. Dunk contest won by Mr. Diallo of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Had one great dunk where he went over Shaq and put his elbow through the rim the way Vince Carter did originally. But I was disappointed, like I always am. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the dunk contest is dead because it's not dead. It's just never going to be all that special anymore because everything is iterative of something else we've already seen. The truth is this. The human body can only do so much. And we've seen basically all there is to see. Vince Carter, for my money, is the best dunker of all time. Now, I love the rock the cradle from Dr. J., and certainly Jordan and Neek were spectacular. And then more kind of less superstar names, but great dunkers, guys like Jason Richardson and Desmond Mason. And there have been some guys that have done some really good stuff. Vince Carter's performance is still the one that stands out. His first dunk, the reverse 360, is the prettiest thing I've ever seen on a basketball floor. With all due respect to the through the legs, which was tremendous as well. The first dunk Vince Carter did is my favorite dunk of all time. But there's just not much left. Now, if you want to put those guys out from the Dunk King show that they've done, you know, a couple seasons in a row, Kenny Smith is an executive producer of, those guys do nothing but dunk contests for a living. They travel around the country, and they compete for high prize money, and they do stuff that the NBA players can't conceive of. So if you want to put them out there to put on a show, then that's one thing. But I don't think that there is 2% of the population listening to this show right now that could tell me anything about the four guys dunking on Saturday night or half of them. Maybe you could tell me something about Dennis Smith. Maybe you could tell me something about Diallo. Maybe a few of you could tell me something about one of those guys, maybe even two of those guys. But I honestly doubt it. There's no star power there, and there's no incentive for the stars to do it. People think Giannis should do it. Why? So he can get injured? Or there's that other problem in the NBA of ego. I mean, Jay Cole had the second best dunk of the night, and it was a miss. As he just, the, the building was ready to erupt. All the superstars were ready to erupt for him, and then he missed that dunk. Outside of that, there was nothing else to even pay attention to. There's no reason to get upset about it. I'm not upset about the game being 178 to 164. It's an offensive showcase. Every once in a while, you get like a chase down block or something fun. Or look, Team LeBron came back, and Kevin Durant's the MVP, and whatever. It's a celebration of the game. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. I don't think of this, think of the NBA All Star Game the way I think of the Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, I think, is just something that shouldn't exist. It should just be an honorary thing. NBA All Star Game, those guys go out and have fun. You don't ever need to watch all four quarters of the All Star Game. Maybe not even a half, but you can catch some highlights and see some good stuff. The alley oop play Steph Curry had was really nice. They took 162 three-pointers in that game. That's not an exaggeration. You want a stat on the way out the door? There it is. 162 three-point attempts in that game. That is what the game has become. That's why the three-point shootouts become the prime event on All-Star Saturday night. So I watched enough of it like I usually did on DVR. I'm disappointed about 70% of the time when I watch it, but I watch it every year. It's just kind of a tradition. But we've seen it all. So don't think that the dunk contest is dead. It's just going to be a repetition fest. 
I will see you on Wednesday night, and I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. right here on 104.5 The Zone, hosting for Clay Travis on Outkick the Coverage. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.